Rhino, we saw glimmers of a dominant Cubs team, but gosh, I wonder, are we? A, is this a 500 team, or do you think this Cubs team could go on a sustained run? Oh, Chad, who's to know? This team just teases me each and every time they play. I don't even know what to make of this team anymore. I really don't. We have Bryce Bus to talk about in the return. Uh, Chris Bryan in MVP form. We have some lowlights to talk about and Javi Baez and uh, what is going on with Zach Davies. Uh, the, you know, it's it, uh, just like the team, some ups and some downs. Yeah, and we have a huge guest this week. The return of David Kaplan from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. We are excited to welcome the Capman. Of course, you can listen to him weekday mornings, 7 to 9 a.m. on Cap and J Hood. So stick around because the friendly confines starts right now. Hey, everybody. I'm Ryan Lieber. He's Chad Gordon. Chad, let's start as we always do in the first inning. It's like this team loves to tease us, Chad. They go on a four-game winning streak and then promptly lose three straight. It's like maddening to see this team. The offense some nights looks unbelievable, and then other nights looks stagnant. What do you make of what we have seen from this baseball team over the course of the past week? It, you know, we're starting to see the team that we've been seeing, which is, and I've said this so many times, I should trademark it. It's probably already, already trademarked, but it's, it's a feast or famine situation. And it gets so frustrating as a fan during those famine times. But yeah, I guess the thing that gives me a little bit of, of, of heart in this matter is if you look up and down Major League Baseball, there's a lot of high profile teams, including the Atlanta Braves and the, and the Yankees, you know, that, that are having the same sort of situation. Look at the Twins as well. Um, our good friend of the show, Books Gamby, uh, said today in a tweet, I found this to be very interesting. Going into today, Major League Baseball batters are, are hitting 332. Um, that would be the lowest ever um, that, that they've ever batted, Major League Baseball in general. And then on top of that, um, in 2008, uh, 42% of swings put balls into play. This year, it's it's almost a third of the swings put balls into play. And then swing and miss at the time was 20%. Now, swing and miss is like almost 30%. So I think offense in general is broken. And this Cubs team, the reason I bring all that up is to say this Cubs team was created a few years ago on the premise that balls that were put up in the air to hit home runs, to generate the runs with a more livelier ball. This was the team put together to do that sort of thing. I think whether the balls have changed, whether the pitching has gotten too good and some changes need to be made, this Cubs team is showing, I think, what's wrong with baseball in general. And also, you're seeing a lot of concerns about a lot of guys that uh, a few years ago would be big money free agents. And now they're playing for their their livelihoods and they're struggling other than a couple cute, a few key bright spots. What do you think? I mean, it's just an inconsistent baseball team. And this is a team that we're going to see on some days that are going to light it up offensively, which we did against the Brewers, against the Mets. And then there's other times where they're going to look lifeless, which is what they also looked like against the Brewers. Um, I, I can't make heads or tails of this team right now. It's, it's really frustrating. I know we've had this conversation for three years already because this is basically what this team's identity is, is where they score lots of runs in bunches, but then they can't string together two hits in a game 
and they get shut out. So I think this is what we're going to see. This is the team. This is a team that is going to hover around 500. They're not going to win the division. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They teased me a little bit, though, last week, Chad. I started having thoughts of this team potentially winning a week NL Central, and then I quickly just came back to earth, and and that's exactly where I think this team is ultimately going to be is on the outside looking in. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. You know, and the whole we're not a month in, so I'm not ready to write it off. But I do appreciate that uh, they're not showing us something that says they're going to dominate. Certainly not like they have in years past. Well, let's move on to the second inning and one very big bright spot. If you think about previous seasons and previous issues where we haven't seen the Chris Bryant of, of, of old, we're seeing that Chris Bryant of old, that MVP candidate, the guy that's up there at the top of a lot of different categories that matter. What do you think about uh, Chris Bryant and his MVP form? Well, first of all, I, I owe Chris Bryant and I owe this show an apology because when we asked the question about, who is the biggest disappointment? Bryant was my answer. And clearly in that time, because he, he's a, obviously a huge fan of the show, he heard me say that, Chad, <laughs> and has promptly gone on to have an absolutely uh, great season thus far, um, hitting the Grand Slam on Monday night against the Braves and, you know, just absolutely crushing the ball. My question is this, Chad. If Bryant right now is potentially, you know, early on in the conversation, a guy you could look at and say, hey, he might be in the running for the MVP this year. What do the Cubs do at the trading deadline at this point? Do you hold on to him because you think to yourself, well, now we're seeing a guy who is actually hitting the ball really well. Maybe we want to keep him or do you make up your mind and you just say, listen, regardless of the type of season he's having, we need to trade this guy to get prospects in return. This to me is probably going to be the most fascinating move, uh, whether they keep him or not this season. And that to me, I think is the biggest storyline that is probably starting to develop for this baseball team. What about you? I mean, you know, our listeners are going to want to stick around for the seventh is our guest and he is fired up and he has some ideas on what to do with all these big names soon to be free agents and and the approach the Cubs should take I'll just say this I mean I have said over and over again the last couple of years on the podcast that uh, you know two things that work here one Chris Bryant has had a series of nagging injuries this is a situation this season where he's not injured he's feeling really good and he's putting up the numbers we've seen in the past the concern I've had about Chris Bryant and this new you know, now that drugs are illegal, uh, you know, field of baseball now is this big frame is not as. Um, so how long can he stay healthy? Because these are the numbers you'd expect to see out of a Chris Bryant. Um, and that's what we were thinking uh, this team was getting uh, for many years. But he's had a lot of nagging injuries. You know what it means for his free agent decisions the Cubs have to make again it's still early in this season the other big three guys they definitely can all heat up they can all have much better numbers um, we're still in the infancy it's still bone cold in Chicago and it's it's I think there's a tweet by a Willie or somebody uh, on Monday basically saying oh, I miss the warm weather I'm so glad to be in Atlanta these guys are going to look forward to, to heating up in the the, the, the heat of, of the summer and I think we're going to see the numbers there especially with Rizzo um, Baez we're not sure about but for Chris I think the Cubs um, you know, I, it, it really is going to be down to that trading deadline. If the Cubs are not showing they consistently go on a run and, and be competitive, 
it's time to, to start making some changes. And I think this just adds to the potential haul that a Chris Bryant could get if he is putting up MVP numbers. But imagine, oh, my God, the PR nightmares if the Cubs front office gets rid of an MVP caliber player in that year. That is going to be a tough thing for them to overcome from the fan base. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, you know, and they didn't trade him, but when Greg Maddox left as a free agent after winning the Cy Young. I mean, that's yeah. really the only comparison that I can think of to, to that degree of what it would look like. Chad, let's move on to the third inning, and we go from a guy who is having um, arguably uh, one of his best seasons ever at the moment to a guy who continues to struggle, but he's starting to pick up the pace a little bit. However, Javi Baez has not played the last couple of games, which I found interesting because it started to seem like he was turning the corner a little bit. You know, he raised his batting average. Uh, he leads the team in home runs. He leads the team in RBIs. However, Chad, the glaring stat that everybody is looking at, 35 strikeouts and 77 at-bats and one walk. One walk in 77 at-bats for Javi Baez, Chad. Uh, what do you make of this uh situation with Javi and uh, him kind of chilling right now at the moment and not being in the lineup for the Cubs. Well, a couple things. One, we're hearing out of the front office that there's a nagging some sort of hamstring injury so that that probably there's not more to read into this other than he needs some time. But but the big thing that I'm, I'm reading because I was glued to the TV um, watching that Padres Dodger series. And what I can tell you right now is Fernando Tatis Jr. and Javi Baez are two very different players, two different approaches at the plate. A good pitcher like the Dodgers starting staff are going to eat Javi alive if he doesn't change up his approach. One walk? Are you kidding me? One walk through this point in the season and on pace for something like 270, uh, 300 strikeouts? Uh, you know, that is that is not somebody you want to build a centerpiece of a franchise around. And we weren't that long ago where that was the discussion that Javi was the guy that you, you, you potentially are going to have a statue out front for Javi's the guy you want to build a franchise around. And with his free, uh, free swinging nature, it just doesn't seem like he wants to show the patience uh, to be the hitter that we saw that he could be in seasons past where he really did a better job of working the count. He really is bought and is all in on just going for the showboat highlight reel home run, but then striking out three, four other times in, in, the, in the, uh, the game as he's done that in previous games. So this is uh, – Javi is one where he is certainly not adding to his value. He is – you wonder if he's pressing after turning down that, that reported big contract. We talked about that last week. You know, maybe he's playing for his livelihood. He's playing for the biggest contract of his future. And right now the pressure is, is getting to him, but we have to see where, where this injury as well kind of holds him down. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they did say that he would have been available to pinch hit on Monday. Hopefully he's back in the lineup for the rest of the series. But I, and those stats are alarming, Chad, obviously. I mean, one base on ball and 77 at bats and 35 strikeouts. And as you mentioned, he's on pace for over 300 strikeouts this year, which is just unbelievable. Um, but we are seeing signs of life. We are seeing a guy who's raising his average a little bit more. He's starting to play better. He's starting to, you know, see some good pitches at the plate where he's putting the ball in play. So I'm going to take a flyer here, and I'm starting to feel a little better about Javi Baez in the way that he is hitting. And I think as the season progresses, you know, we're going to see strikeouts more. I mean, we're, that's, that just comes with the territory with him because of everything else that he does. 
I truly believe that when it's all said and done, we're going to see a guy who's hitting about between 275 and 285. I, I really believe that. And I think that he's going to be able to kind of get it together uh, for the rest of the year and, and really figure things out when, when he's at the plate, when it's all said and done. It's going to need a big turnaround. That's for sure. Uh, let's move on to the fourth inning and a, a bright spot. There has been a few bright spots, but this is one where the Cubs front office, again, not looking great because you just wonder what would have happened if, uh, if Nico Horner had been up in the lineup uh, the entire time. But Nico returns to the big leagues and without a doubt shows he belongs. Rhino, what do you think about his return and is he here to stay? Well, at the moment, Chad, he leads the National League in hitting, at least going into Monday night's game, which was really nice. And yeah, I mean, you know, I said on this podcast last week that if the Cubs were going to try and shake things up a little bit, they had to change up the lineup a bit, which they did. And I would have brought up Nico Horner, which they did. Um, And Nico is showing that he's just basically, you know, kind of finishing up where he was when he was in Arizona. He's just continuing to, you know, hit as well as he did when we were having spring training. So this is nice to see. I mean, he certainly deserved to be on the team and I understand why, um, you know, they put him back into the minors for a little bit of team control, but he's back and he's able now to, you know, give this team a little bit more of a lift and, and play, Anywhere in the infield, whether that's second base, shortstop, third base, wherever you need to be. So I'm, I'm happy to see him back. And I think this is uh, a nice opportunity for him to kind of showcase what he was doing in spring training and, and continue to hit as well as he is now doing uh, in the regular season as well. What about you? Uh, you know, the whole messaging was not about team control, obviously, from the Cubs front office was about seasoning and the fact that the minor league season is just getting ready to start up he never had a chance to get that seasoning so he's over in the alternate side he's getting his reps in. he's got his head down hopefully he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder and he knows what's expected of him and he's showing it yes leading the uh, all of major league baseball uh, a week into the season is not a big deal obviously because guys get about 800 in a week Um, So we'll see it average out. We'll see where he actually is. One of the the concerns, uh, aside from his his plate approach, was his versatility. Um, And I think that's why it was Sogard and some of the other guys that that are available that could be more platoon, more utility. Well, here we are in the first week, and Nico's already taken two um, starts at shortstop. So that's a valuable asset right there, especially if Javi is going to be ailing. And he's also uh, played at second base and then um, you know, and two other positions. He's played four positions in this short week, uh, this, this week back. That versatility is going to go a long way. It's, it's kind of like the Chris Bryant. The, the value of Chris Bryant being able to play all over the field is incredible. So if Nico can stay on, stay connected, be, be the defensive player that we know he can be, um, imagine that and you bring Jock Peterson back into the equation. And you talked about Nico's incredible spring. Well, how about can we hitch the star back to where Jock was back in Mesa and see if this team could have some sort of um, resurgence on the offensive side. But, you know, his, him coming back, Horner coming back was a big in the last week to what the Cubs were able to do on a turnaround. Let's see how it plays out over the course of this week and see what, where the averages fall. But right now I don't think there's any way shape or form that the Cubs can do anything, but keep him up there. His versatility is going to be invaluable. Um, and we're past the team control situation now. Now it really is truly about, What's the best opportunity for this team to win? And then when that time's over, 
then make some decisions. But Nico right now, I think, has to be in the lineup for this team to try to win. All right, so let us move on now to the fifth inning, Chad. And I've posed this question a couple of times on Twitter, and I've talked about it with some other folks as well. Zach Davies, who, of course, came over in the Hugh Darvish trade and was, uh, you know, supposed to be somebody that the Cubs could potentially rely on to be a guy who would give them some solid innings. That has not worked out the way that, uh, as of now, everyone would thought it would have worked out. Zach Davies, in his start on Monday against the Braves, uh, just over three innings, three and two-thirds, six hits, five earned runs, four walks, four strikeouts with a 9.47 ERA, Chad. Uh, is it time? I, I have brought this up, but is it time for the Cubs to potentially look at Zach Davies, maybe move him to the bullpen and bring back Alec Mills into the rotation and have him as uh, the number three or four starter in this rotation? What do you think? I, I just think it, it's, you know, this this trade, you know, I wouldn't even call it a trade, but just just giving up um, on having a Cy Young candidate and allowing the, the Padres to have a, a guy that's around a two ERA and in, in you Darvish, who you know is going to eat up a lot of innings and is going to be a st- solid, steady presence that's going to stymie uh, the, the, uh, the other team and, and pitch a lot of strikeouts in, in what now that baseball is just looks really bad i mean if any of those guys come out of this the guys that none of us can name right now not one of them is legally able to drink and we're not going to see them for years if any of those prospects make it to the big leagues i mean that's we're we're, we're so far away from seeing any value in this trade it just looks horrible um and it makes the padres just uh it, it just gives them a tremendous opportunity time to punt on zach davies right now here's what i think i think you give him an opportunity to find his way um, you know, Major League Baseball is not a seven-inning pitcher game anymore. It, it's it's getting to the fifth inning. It's getting to the bullpen. It's getting to your long relievers. It's getting to your short relievers, and and that's okay. But but the problem with Zach Davies is he had a long outing his first time around, um, and then um, he hasn't made it into five innings um, the last four starts. And and the, uh, you know it, we saw it again against Atlanta where he had a really rough first inning, um, and he couldn't get through uh, the fourth inning. So. Uh, I, I you can't punt on him just yet because you have so much invested in bringing him over in that swap. I don't know if sir right now Alec Mills is is resigned to knowing that he is going to be the guy that it's if anybody's scuffling or injured he's going to be the spot starter probably um, or or they may move some things around. I think Zach Davis needs an opportunity to find his way. Otherwise, this is going to be just, I mean, it, it already looks really bad for the front office, but it, it will be horrible if all of a sudden he's a mop-up guy or he's relegated. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I understand where you're coming from with, you know, not punting on him yet, and maybe I give him one or two more starts, but it's a short leash, Chad. I, I really believe that, you know, it, listen, if it's not working, then you just got to do what you got to do. I, I understand that, you know, you – Look, the, the Darvish deal is not going to look good regardless whether Zach Davies is in the rotation or not. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, if you put him in the bullpen or you designate him or whatever you decide to do with it, who cares? Like you're going to you got crushed by this deal regardless. So if if you replace him with Mills, who personally I thought deserved to be in the rotation to begin with this year. Um, I, I just feel like that's the right thing you got to do at this point, especially if, if Zach Davies just continues to have these just terrible outings 
So, I, I mean, like I said, I, I see your, your point of not punting yet, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, I'm giving him maybe one, two starts tops. And if I'm not seeing something from him, then I think it's time you got to make the move and, and make a decision of who you're going to replace him with in the rotation. So I'd go to Chris. Whatever that number is that Jed feels he can afford, if Chris says, I can't do that, gone. I'm trading you as fast as I can. You look healthy, put up a few more numbers. As soon as somebody's ready to bite, gone. Then I go to Wilson Contreras. Hey, man, I got another year of control with you. I like you. Here's what I can pay you. Nope, I'm not interested. Gone. Javi, we offered you a massive deal a year ago. You turned it down. Here's what we can pay you. You have got to show some productivity here. Otherwise, I'll get what I can. Gone. Anthony Rizzo, okay, I know you want the Paul Goldschmidt package. I can't go to that. You don't want the 70 I offered you? I understand that. Here's five years at 100, 20 million a year. He's making 16 and a half now on a deal he agreed to seven or eight years ago. So guess what? Here's what I can give you. And if he says yes, sign him up. He's going to be a cub for life. I've got him locked up here. I'm happy. We've got uh, David Kaplan coming up in the seventh inning, and he is going to talk about all the potential uh, uh, moves that the the Cubs front office could make here as we have a lot of guys going into their – they are in their contract year. So that brings us to the sixth inning, Rhino, and, and it's a great question. Uh, let's say the Cubs, who, again, have one of the – have had one of the top payrolls in all of – since uh, Theo and uh, and and uh, um, and the crew have, have you know came into play, if you couldn't keep them all, which mathematically I'm not sure how you can, if you could keep one of the the three of Javi, Bryant, or Rizzo, who you keeping now? What you've seen one one month into this 2021 season, right? Because I think we would have had a different answer, Chad, about three weeks ago, right? I think that the, there's things that have have certainly changed. So I personally think now, you know, initially we, we all were on the, I think it's going to be Javi and Rizzo, right? I think that was, those were the guys we figured those are who you got to keep because Bryant, we thought, you know, his stock was going down and uh, wasn't probably worth the money that he was seeking. I'm starting to go on board and, you know, maybe I'm just being a bandwagon guy at this point, but, I'm starting to feel like maybe the Bryant Rizzo combo and having a guys on the corners is potentially what the Cubs should do. Now, will they pull it off? That's a different story, but I'm starting to feel like maybe Javi is the odd man out and you try everything in your power to hang on to Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo as your cornerstones and, and try to build around those guys ultimately and, and let Javi walk. So um, again, this answer could change in about three weeks as well. So I'm going with that now. Will it happen? Again, that's a different that's a different question. But if I'm the GM, if I'm Jed Hoyer, I'm doing everything in my power to keep Rizzo and Brian on this team for the future and try to build around those two. What about you? I wish I could debate you. I, it's a better show when I can disagree with you, but I. <laughs> I, for, for, I, maybe I've got some different reasons than you, but I mean, number one, I talked about it earlier. Chris Bryant has the versatility. Chris Bryant, as he gets older, 
yes. um, can easily slot into an outfield position and, and have the power numbers you'd expect in one of those corners. Now he's playing all over the field. He can play first, third, right field, left field. He's all over the place, and, and there's some great uh, uh, versatility there. Anthony Rizzo is, is, is a guy that, that everybody feels is synonymous with this team, was a part of the losingest you know, team in, 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 uh, in Cubs history and was a part of the, you know, caught the, the last ball thrown in Game 7 of, uh, of uh, the World Series to win it all. The guy that says the right things is, 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 uh, is, is he's the team guy. He's the guy that you never hear a bad thing about in, in the clubhouse and you want it. My, my knock on Javi is, again, his patience that he showed earlier in his career was that was the that was the you, you start to see this metamorphosis into the guy that is going to have the right approach. He doesn't scare a lot of people when he's up to bat. I mean, yes, he hits towering uh, highlight reel home runs at times, absolutely. But he also, when he's having an off day, you just feel like he is not himself. He's not, and he's a much easier outer. He's a long fly out. And the other piece about Javi that really I'm looking at, and we talked about this last week, this offseason has a tremendous number of marquee shortstops that are coming into play. And Javi isn't at the top of that list. He's among the top in that list of like four or five guys. There are not four or five organizations that A, have the budget and B, have the need to spend, you know, $300 million on a marquee shortstop. And so I'm interested to see what is going to be the market for a top shortstop, knowing that so many are coming into the free agency. And, and you know, the, you look at the teams that already have uh, their, their guy in, in the spot. They're not really looking for anybody. It's, it's, a, it's a small number. And then you look at budgets, you know, who's going to be able to spend that money. So I think just from the finances and just from the versatility, Bryant and Rizzo, I, I know how we're kind of giving Rizzo a discount. And I do, do appreciate the fact that, that Anthony Rizzo wants to have some sort of opportunity to see what free agency would look like if he thinks he can get a little bit more. But Anthony Rizzo needs to be in a Cubs uniform for the rest of his life. And a healthy Chris Bryant could be a Hall of Famer in a out and stay well. It's time for the Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by our partners at Golden Rule Entertainment. Did you know that the Chicago Cubs have won 17 pennants in the history of the franchise? The first coming in 1876, and the most recent, of course, in 2016. The Cubs were one of the most dominant franchises in baseball, winning five pennants in seven seasons between 1880 and 1886 and then four pennants in five seasons between 1906 and 1910, including two World Series titles. That's your Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by Golden Rule Entertainment, offering big league opportunities while owning a piece of a minor league style ball club. To find out more information about how you can become an owner, go to www.goldenruleentertainment.com. John now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And Chad, you know, we have our guests that we absolutely love. We, we love when Sylvie comes on with us, of course. We go a long way back with him. 
Well, this is someone that, of course, I go a long way back with. I, I usually use the title of worst intern ever at WGN Radio, and I, I wear it with a badge, of course, Chad. But this is a guy who's been nothing but amazing to me, somebody who I admire so much, and he is always great to talk Cubs baseball with. It is always a pleasure to talk to him from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, the co-host of Cap and Jay Hood. It is David Kaplan. Cap, welcome back to the show. It's always great to talk to you. How are you doing? Ryan and Chad, how are we doing, boys? Good to be on with you again. It is, uh, it's great to talk to you, Cap. And, of course, you can listen to Cap and Jay Hood from 7 to 9 weeknights. You can also find David on Twitter, at the Catman. Be sure to engage with him there. And, of course, he is also a part of NBC Sports in Chicago. So, Cap, let's start here, man. How should Cubs fans kind of be at this point towards this franchise apathetic angry or option c do they maybe go your route now and maybe start cheering on the white Sox a little bit more what how do you view the sphere of how cub fans should, should maybe react to what we've seen so far okay so let me just put this whole white Sox thing to bed because man, all these people go really dude you're a white Sox fan? <laughs> so I do mornings now on ESPN. So I'm in, I'm up at four in the morning. I get to work. I get ready. I do the show. 1030 comes. I'm literally done until I have to do TV at five o'clock in the afternoon. I'm done. I work out, hang out with my dogs and just enjoy life. And it's great. It's my favorite shift I've ever worked. It's not for everybody. If you don't like going to bed earlier, getting up super early, it's not for everyone. I said to my wife, Hey, Hunt, we should buy tickets to both baseball teams, like a 15-game package to both. She's like, I'm in. I'll do whatever you want. So I have 15 games I'm going to go see the Cubs, 15 games I'm going to go see the White Sox. I come in one day to work, and they're like, what's going on, Cappy? I said, hey, I just got done buying White Sox season tickets last night. You did what? I said, I bought a 15-game package. Oh, that's the lead of the show. So now all of a sudden <laughs> – you know, all these people out there, you, you hate the Cubs? No. And when the Cubs play the Sox, I hope they bury them. But I like good baseball. And this other part of your question, how should Cubs fans feel? They should feel freaking pissed off. They should be really angry that a franchise that is worth almost $4 billion is going to go through another rebuild. It better be fast. That's all I can tell you because I think it's embarrassing. You look at this team, and you—you, you, I mean, the all but one of the infielders in the in the World Series champion team is there. One of the outfielders is there. The 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 catchers, one of the three catchers. I mean, it's the six of the guys are there. Um, when you look at this team, what do you make of this? Why I have this theory, Dave, that that, that I think they've reached Valhalla. They've got there, and I think they've got nothing to play for anymore. Do you think it's a matter of heart, or do you think it's a front office not making the right moves to get them the support they need? Oh, I don't think it has anything to do with heart. I know these guys. These guys are pros, man. They want to win. So I don't think it has anything to do with it. I truly believe that this team, for whatever reason, the collection of parts, are, it just doesn't work as a whole. Like if you're a fan, pick a random team, the Texas Rangers, and you announce, hey, we just signed Chris Bryant. You think you just signed one of the great players in the sport. Then if you're a fan of the Mariners, guess what? We just got Javi Baez. You'd be like, that's one of the most exciting, dynamic players in the game. 
well, all those guys are on our team, and our team's not very good. That's the disappointing thing of what the heck has gone wrong with the Chicago Cubs. But I put it right back, and I'm not talking behind their back. I said this to Theo before he left. You said in 2018 your offense broke, and your answer was Daniel Descalso for $2.5 million for two years. That's it. And then in 19, our offense is still broken. You did nothing. 20, well, it's a pandemic. I can't do anything. 21, yeah, trade away some money, get under the luxury tax, one more go because you've waited so long. Now you can't trade these guys for the big package you could have gotten a long time ago. It takes real cojones that after you win the 16 World Series, you don't get where you want to go after 17 to be able to say, we got to make some trades, guys. I'm sorry, we got to make a move. Because much as all these guys could say, I was never offered an extension, and we all know who we're talking about, Theo went on my radio show and said, we offered every one of our core guys massive extensions. Other than Kyle Hendricks, they all said, no, thank you. And that's their right. But please don't tell me all these fans out there believed whatever the players say. They soak it up like pablum. Please don't tell me that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer didn't try to sign their guys long-term. Because if they didn't, that's malpractice. Cap, is there any way you point any finger at David Ross for what's going on right now? Or is it is not it just, even it, not yeah. even one iota? None. He's not up there hitting. He wasn't a great hitter anyway, so thank goodness he's not up there hitting. <laughs> but this is not on David. The guys show up. They give a credible effort. I don't see guys dogging it. I don't see culture problems. I think David's really good. I just, at some point, Javi Baez can't be on a pace to strike out 313 times. Just can't happen. Jock Peterson, he's still in Arizona because the guy that came here doesn't look like the guy I watched at spring training. At some point, he better start hitting. So that is not on David, not even a little bit. David Bodie's hitting what? A buck twenty? Buck fifty? That's not on David. That's on David Bodie, not David Ross. Uh, you, you, you mentioned it. there's just a collection of the of the guys that are on historically bad paces. I mean, this team is as you look at it uh, in Major League Baseball, one of the worst teams in baseball offensively. Um, you know, you could say Chris Bryan is starting to shine, which is uh, a positive for him, but not really helping the team carrying them along. What do you, what do you make of this team? Is this one of those slow starting situations, or or is this team just the the focus isn't there, or maybe the the game plan isn't um, connected with what they need to do uh, against Major League pitching? Um, I don't think it's game plan. I think sometimes it just doesn't work. We've all been in relationships with, you know, you're dating someone and you're like, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's funny, and it just, for whatever reason, it doesn't click. From the outside, everyone looks good. Boy, you guys make a beautiful couple. And inside, you're going, yeah, this ain't going to work. For whatever reason, and these are all really good players and for whatever reason it hasn't worked and it's not that this team's off to a slow start 17 they had a kick them in the ass at the all-star break and they found a way to win the division 18 our offense is broken that's from the hall of fame bond executive who i'm a big fan of 19 they don't even make the playoffs now they get rid of what another hitting coach another pitching coach 
uh, a manager, like all these changes come about. And it's at some point you just got to look and go, you know what? We got to shake it up. It's not working. So, so Cap, with that being said, you know, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, are you, are you keeping any of those guys is, if you're looking at the, the whole picture right now? Or are you getting rid of all of them and just blowing it all up? What, what would you yeah. do? So here's what I would personally do. I'd go to Chris because Chris looks a lot better to me. He does because he's healthy. I would go to Chris Bryant and I would say, here's what I can afford to pay you whatever that number is i don't know what theo's or uh, jed's budget is but for everyone out there who wonders does mr ricketts have to approve this does he have to approve that from what theo told me tom gives him a number now that's jed doing the same thing here's a number we'll pull a number out of thin air and i don't think i'm too far off let's call it 250 million dollars that 250 has to cover Everything in baseball operations. I mean everything. That covers what you're paying your minor leaguers. That covers any staff that you have, your GM, your t- the team president, all of it. All comes out of that's baseball operations. There's 250 or $275 million. You do with it what you want. You want to pay one guy $44 million a year? Okay. Don't come back to me and ask me for more money. I've given you more than enough to win. And this notion that, well, the Ricketts family's cheap and they won't spend. They had one of the highest payrolls in the game. Let's take last year's team and let's give every guy a $10 million raise. Now, all of a sudden, that payroll is what, $500 million? Did they win the World Series? No, it's not what you spend. It's who you spend it on. He's not asking you to win on a $30 million shoestring. They give you, they were in the luxury tax two consecutive years, and the players didn't deliver. So I'd go to Chris, whatever that number is that Jed feels he can afford, if Chris says, I can't do that, gone. I'm trading you as fast as I can. You look healthy, put up a few more numbers. As soon as somebody's ready to bite, gone. Then I go to Wilson Contreras. Hey, man, I got another year of control with you. I like you. Here's what I can pay you. Nope, I'm not interested. Gone. Javi, we offered you a massive deal a year ago. You turned it down. Here's what we can pay you. You have got to show some productivity here. Otherwise, I'll get what I can. Gone. Anthony Rizzo, okay, I know you want the Paul Goldschmidt package. I can't go to that. You don't want the 70 I offered you? I understand that. Here's five years at 100, 20 million a year. He's making 16 and a half now on a deal he agreed to seven or eight years ago. So guess what? Here's what I can give you. And if he says, yes, sign him up, he's going to be a cub for life. I've got him locked up here. I'm happy. And then I'm trading Zach Davies if he does anything. I'm trading uh, Trevor Williams if he does anything. And I'm starting to rebuild my team in the offseason because I got very little payroll. And if I got Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo both to accept those deals, I'm good with that. And our thanks to the one and only David Kaplan from ESPN 1000. You can find him on Twitter at the Catman. We always love chatting with David. He's always been so good to us. Uh, one of my favorites. He's uh, been so good to me over the years. And uh, of course, you can also find Chad and I on social media. 
I am at Ryan B. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon on our Facebook page. Make sure you find us there. It is the Friendly Confines Facebook page for the Chicago Cubs. So be sure to check us out. We'd love to interact with you there as well. And we also have some exciting news because of our new website, Chad, as we get ready to start the eighth inning. Yeah, make sure you go to theconfines.com. That's theconfines.com. It's your place to, with all the special interviews, the special shows, all the regular shows, you can sign up for the newsletter at the very bottom of the list, and you can stay informed every time a new show drops. We're really excited about that. You're going to see a lot more about the confines coming up as the season goes on. Let's move on to the inning. And uh, you think about Cubs history. It's one of the most tenured, longest um, in existence uh, franchises in professional base in professional baseball. So they've they've got a lot of guys in the, in the, the history books and the record books. Uh, kind of a surprising stat for me because, um, you know, it's not a big number when you think about some of the big numbers. But Anthony Rizzo is now very close to creeping up. He's he's knocking on the door. It'll be a while, maybe not this year to knock on to fifth place. But he is now in fourth place with his 232nd Cubs home run. Um, he uh, basically uh, passed Gabby Hartnett, who is a Hall of Famer, 232 home runs. He's within striking distance of Aramis R- Ramirez at 239. He'll have that in no time. What, were you surprised that he's seventh Cubs all time with this the, the, the franchise and, and all the players that have come through the system? You know, it's funny. I, I guess because I feel like he's been with the team so long that he probably would have more home runs than he did. But um, he'll get there eventually. I don't know if he'll ever catch Sammy Sosa or Ernie Banks for that matter. But, um, you know, it's great to see. 232 home runs, seventh all time, as you mentioned, passing Gabby Hartnett. Um, you know, he's in striking distance of Aramis Ramirez, who's at 239 career home runs with the Cubs and you know uh, you and I have talked about how much Aramis Ramirez has meant to this franchise probably you know again one of the most underrated players to ever play for the Chicago he's got some ways to go to get to the top five as you mentioned Ryan Sandberg at number five at 282 I have no doubt he's going to get in the top four eventually and he will be in that conversation especially if he ends up signing with the Cubs long term and you know continues to finish his career with his team. I mean, Rizzo, I've said this before, is just he is a model of consistency. You look at his numbers each and every year, and you can count on him for hitting between, you know, 280 and 290 with 30-plus homers and close to 100 RBIs every year. I, I mean, he's just a model of consistency that we have been able to depend on, and he is the heart and soul of this franchise and he is the Mr. Cub of this generation. So I want to see it continue. I want to see him continue to play for this team and I want him to see him to continue to hit home runs for this team for the, you know, the, for the foreseeable future. So uh, it's great to see for sure. Yeah. He's a, you know, he won't pass Rhino this year. There's no chance, but if he is re-signed, you can definitely, count on him uh, to get into fifth place next year. I was very surprised by that. And it was interesting to see, again, if, if Bryant stays on, where will his numbers be? You know, he did have it. And, and all the players were, were cheated out of last year's COVID season. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't put up the bigger numbers they normally have. But you talk about model of consistency. He is that model of consistency with the slow start, which is always disappointing. And you hope 
see him either becoming the leadoff guy so he can bat a thousand and hit a home run to lead off every game or or uh, or do something just heat off to, uh, up during the summer and, and and get his home run pace going but yeah the numbers really surprised me and it, it, I was just really really shocked to think my gosh I mean he's been here for a while um, and he's had those consistent numbers um, and, and Aramis you just felt like that was a guy that, that that put up a lot of numbers for a while and I guess if you really think about Anthony he's been here for a while and he's put up some good numbers you know, love to see him get uh, uh, get the the pinstripes on again next year, and and come back to this team uh, for all the things you said. If it makes sense um, for what he wants and and where he wants to be, I mean, he has the opportunity, like you said, to become this generation's Mister Cub and become the face of the franchise for the next several decades if he wants to be that guy, um, or does he just want to go back and and be the first baseman for the you know, Miami Marlins, uh, and, and, and be back home and, and star for his team in a much less pressure patch situation and sell a lot of jerseys elsewhere, but, uh, kudos to him. And it'll be exciting to see here probably in two or three weeks him passing Aramis to hit number six. All right, Chad. So let's finish up this show with uh, the ninth inning and some sad news to report. Um, Steve McMichael, who is a uh, anchor on that defensive line for the Chicago bears, played on the 1985 Super Bowl champion team, announced that he has ALS um, and is obviously going through an extremely difficult time in his life. Um, people who know about Steve McMichael, who's a, you know, a Bears fans, uh, know what a personality he was, know how colorful he was, and was involved in probably one of the most interesting Seventh inning stretches, Chad, of all time, um, when he sang the seventh inning stretch and then uh, basically called out Angel Hernandez, who was umping at home plate, and said something to the effect of, um, you know, either can this ump see or uh, let's get this ump out of here, uh, and which then prompted Angel Hernandez to throw Steve McMichael out of the game. Uh, so it was, it was pretty crazy. This happened in 2001. And uh, Angel Hernandez, who, uh, of course, is known as one of the worst umpires in baseball, uh, you know, still even back then was having a hard time with that, Chad. Um, do you remember when that happened? And uh, what were your thoughts about Steve McMichael calling out the uh, – umpire and then getting ejected from the game for what he said after the seventh inning stretch. It, you know, it kind of reminds me of like Dick is uh, phrenic, you know, uh, when he did the, the, the stretch as well, when he just marched through it in like 20 seconds, five bears team, there's those guys, you, you want to talk about a swagger and a cockiness. I mean, where else could somebody do that, grab the mic at a major league baseball game and call out the umpire and expect, you know, expect it to be okay. And he's in legend status, but I do remember it. I, I remember seeing the video and just, I just not, you know, not believing that he would actually say that because umpires are ultimately, they are the authority. Um, but angel gives uh, people a lot of opportunities to be frustrated. And let's be honest, Steve had a couple drinks at the time. Not the thing. I would love to know when they brief people, if there's like some sort of Steve McMichael rule to be like, Hey, um, if you're thinking about, about doing anything, don't, I remember when I got to take out, um, the ball, uh, and the rosin bag, right? the ball and the rosin bag and put it on the mound. I, I got that uh, for, as a season ticket for my birthday a couple of years ago. And I got to stand on the mound, you know, right before, uh, 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 Kyle Hendricks came jogging out there and, and grabbed the ball, you know, that I put down on the rubber and, uh, 
and I got to like look at a packed Wrigley Field on a Saturday. I only bring that up because I was told by the head's groundkeeper, if you're thinking about running and sliding into home, if you're thinking about doing something crazy, don't. <laughs> so I just yeah. wonder if they ever, as the guy, get, anybody gets up there, if they've had some drinks, they're like, hey, just uh, keep it, you know, don't uh, don't be Steve. But a memorable um, and we bring this up just to, to share that, you know, again, the sad news that hit the rock, the Chicago sporting world and wish him, um, uh, you know, the best health he can have. It's such a devastating disease and and hope him uh, good tidings as he moves through. The- yeah. And so to remember the exact quote, I found it, Chad, he said, I'm going to have a talk with that umpire down there. And according to Angel Hernandez, he claims he did not signal to eject him, that he went to Randy Marsh, who was the crew chief, and Randy Marsh apparently called the press box and said that they wanted McMichael out of the booth, which he eventually left. But according to this story, they're saying that McMichael never was asked to be ejected from the game. So it just, I guess, depends on who you believe in and but, what, uh, what story. But we all really remember that glare. With. We, we all remember the yes. glare that Angel, he was, so, he just looked up at Steve and he just glared at and Steve just glared right back at him. <laughs> it, it definitely, I mean, listen, 20 years ago, it definitely was probably one of the top five most memorable moments in seventh inning stretch history. Um, when McMichael did that, right? I mean, I think of that. I think of Ditka racing through the song. I think of Jeff Gordon not knowing the words to the song along with Ozzy Osbourne. Like, you have those moments. This, for me, is easily in the in the top of, of all-time moments with the seventh-inning stretch. So, as, as you said, I think you, you said it very nicely with – the fact that, you know, we wish the McMichael family nothing but the best, awful news, and and certainly just, you know, hoping for him to get through this as best as he can with his family. And with that, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. For Chad, I am Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one. See you at the ballpark, everybody. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into Wrigley